Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we are discussing the second round of the UCI Cyclocross World Cup held in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And with me here to do that are Twan. Hello. And Isam. Hey everybody. So first of all, instead of going straight into the men's race, I would like to have your guys' opinions on this parkour. A parkour specifically constructed for the World Championships later this year. Isam, what did you think about it? Well, we talked about it in the preview a little bit that, you know, that it was going to be a good parkour and um, I was surprised by, by how, how, how good it was. Um, it, you know, there was a lot of uh, things that I would like to see in, in, in Belgium races in a way and it just shows that if you put a little bit of effort in, in, in a parkour, you can really get, uh, you know, a very good parkour out of it and it was it was a lot of variation in a way, but also... A little simple but that made it also very good so i i really loved it i enjoyed it well the little bit of effort is quite an understatement that's the only comment i have for the rest i mainly agree they had a budget of roughly five million euros at least that's what Sven and i said in an interview today there's been quite some years of constructions going into this so it's not a bit of effort but i agree it looked great tom what did you think it looks like a very tough course, especially that climb looks like where you have to make the race because the rest looks maybe a bit on the simple side. Um, so, and especially today with uh, it raining, it was really, really tough. Uh, just, I think if the level differences aren't that big on the hill, especially, then it could become a bit of a peloton cross, which would be a bit disappointing for the World Championships, but today it looked amazing. Yeah, I would agree on that. I think they did a good job in also decorating the course. They put some sand on these hills, so it looked kind of like a sand dune, except the riders didn't go through the sand. There will be some small changes to the parkour before the World Championships, and I think it adds a bit of everything actually from the great courses. You have this technical downhill, which looks kind of like Namur. You have this steep climb, which looked like something we saw in Valkenburg. We saw some longer straights like we saw in Bogense. Then we saw this steep ramp, which looked like some features we saw in Dubendorf, one of the few great features of that course there. It looked a bit like Rutherford at some point. So yeah, overall, a very good course. It was also a very special day the, on the first day of racing here, but there was also a special event happening in the men's race, and Isam will tell us about that. So yeah, it was it was a rainy day, and it, that made the parkour tough and a bit slippery as well. Uh, Van Turenhout, Hermans, Soot and Iserbeet had a very good start. Uh, we also saw the likes of Tonarts uh, coming up to the front in a way, but at the first lap it was a bit conservative. It was really like feeling, getting the feeling of the parkour, knowing a little bit what you want to do, because nobody wanted to blow himself up. In the second lap it was a bit that Tonarts tried to, to go on the long climb, which uh, would be a little bit the key moment in the race later on, going on in the race. So Tonarts went on that uh, on that long climb, and you know there were the four best guys in a way in that race that stood up. Quinten Hermans was one of them, together with Iserbeet and Michael van Turenhout. And then in the third lap we saw something very impressive from, from Quinten Hermans going on the long climb again and um, yeah, he just blew the whole competition away. In a way he got 20 seconds in one lap and they would never see him back. They were nodding their heads because they knew that there was no way that they would come back and kind of the leader, uh, the winner of the race was there decided. But then, of course, there was still the fight for second and for third. And Van Turenhout 
made it uh, very interesting with with his uh, chain dropping off. Um, luckily for him, he was close to the pit, so he could come back uh, in a way. Uh, Tonarch tried to put Iserbid under pressure, but then blew himself up. Iserbid capitalized on that and made sure that he was in second place. And Van Turenhout, coming back from that chain drop, was able to overtake Tonarch and get third place. So in the end, both uh, Paul Sousa riders are uh, on the podium, but a very dominated win by Quinten Hermans. Quinton Hermans taking his first victory here today in one of the three major classified crosses. So that are World Cup, Super Prestige and the Trophée Veldrijden. So very special by him. Also the first win for Tormans in any of these classifications. Tuan, what did you think when you saw Hermans beasting like that today? It's crazy, right? Because we see him ride very good first and second laps quite often. Um, so I was very hesitant, but it just kept looking better and better. And then it's just it's just a very beautiful moment, I think, for Cyclicals, a very beautiful moment for uh, Quinton Hermans, because it's another rider that is a serious contender for victories. And that is just amazing to see what he did today. It was absolutely amazing, and it's very nice to see someone who has uh, entertained me personally as a fan a lot. Uh, to see him finally get that win, it's it's really it's really beautiful. I also think it's very well deserved. Of course, he had that very tough season last year. He broke his collarbone in the Dauphiné there and basically struggled the entire cyclocross season because of that. It was really sad to see. He also had like struggle adjusting to the reality in the beginning of the season that he couldn't ride like he used to. Ultimately, he got that win in win in Sydney class at the end of the season. He was very emotional about that, and I get it. And I think he would be very emotional about his win today as well, because he really deserved it. And like last last weekend, in we were in Waterloo, he crashed there, and without the crash, he might have been able to be winning there as well. And now he won here, so I think it's a really well-deserved win for Quinton Hermans. I think if we look where Hermans made the difference, it was mainly because he had more power on the climbs and was feeling more confident throughout the corners i mean there's not that many technical parts here but in the downhill he was looking for some grassy lines which really looked to work for him and i think we saw that isabi didn't really have that and it's not really strange in my opinion because we see it time after time again isabi struggles in mud and especially in this type of mud today where you really need to tractor yourself through it yeah i agree on that but i i think that Next to the mud, it was also that very long climb that played a, a big role in a way. I think Tonarts and, and Quinten Hermans for sure were very strong on that on that climb. Maybe because they are a little bit better climbers and Iserbeets uh, struggled a lot there. And he was able to get back a little bit every time after that climb on the sections that were less hard in a way and also a little bit easier to ride on. But I think there's every time trying to make up, you know, makes it a little bit difficult. But I think overall, he is not the type of guy that should perform very well in this parkour. And the damage limitation has gone well uh, also in Waterloo. So I think he should be happy. But you mentioned the climb. But is that really fair to say for Isabit? Because Isabit has also won the Koppenbergkos, which is a lot more climbing. Yeah, but it's, it, the, at, at least for me, when, he, when I saw him go on the climb, it was like he was almost... You know, a bit too heavy on his, uh, like a gear too heavy or something. It it didn't seem that it was going to. It wasn't easy. It looked like he struggled a lot. And uh, if you look at Tonarts, for example, alone, he like 
it was really like a lot of power coming out of his back. It seemed like it was just a little bit smoother. And with Hermans, the same thing. That was more a climber kind of type, the way he went on that climb. And with Iserbeet, I just really didn't see it. It was kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it, he is the type of rider that should be climbing well. But I just think that he's better on shorter climbs than longer climbs. And he, he couldn't quite find his rhythm, right? Because he saw him dismounting a few times, I think, on the climb. It's just, if, I think if it's dry, this climb suits him a lot better. But just because it was muddy and you were really looking for grip and you just have to climb like slightly different than you're used to, uh, it, it really didn't suit Iserbeet, I think. I think for Isabit the bigger problem was that he couldn't get a good exit out of the corner at the bottom of the climb. You could see it time after time again, lap after lap, that he was struggling for grip there, having a couple of slips. And I think that is ultimately what cost him, not really his ability to climb. Because you saw a couple of times that Ton Arch distanced Isabit on the climb. But then when Isabit was on the grassy part, he managed to power back to Arch. I think the bigger issue was that Isabit didn't have the confidence, and maybe this is something that we don't know because we can't really look at the corners in the mud especially today but that is a bit slides too much he was talking about it after the race as well he was sliding around and i think that that was eventually what cost him the not not necessarily the win but that's what cost him on that climb yeah i think that's a fair point because indeed we saw that on some of the exits especially like you said towards the climb he was it was missing out especially the time that tonards put him on the pressure and then blew up um there as well he had to really dig deep to get back in 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 the wheel again and it was like yeah two three seconds gap but if you have to close that gap every time again and it's not only on that section but multiple sections it's gonna it's gonna take its toll but yeah it's it's a bit of speculation what we're doing but i i still think that overall this is not a parkour especially in the state it is right now that Iserbeet should be very good at no, I think he can be satisfied with that second place. I also think that Van Turenhout can be satisfied with that third place. But for Van Turenhout, he was very unlucky. He had a mechanical issue. There was some kind of net and it went all the way into his cassette and across the his pedal as well. So there was really nothing he could do except start running. He lost quite some time. He also got into some controversy around his bike changed he changed his bike just outside of the box and somebody complained about that but ultimately he didn't get disqualified but do you guys think that Van Turenhout could have gotten that second place without that um, running part yeah I believe so I I especially the way he came back again you know obviously that cost him so much energy that you know he blew himself up as well in the last lap but overall he was looking very strong and Especially that last lap, the way he came back to Iserbeet kind of showed to me that he was in a good in a good shape and he was definitely the one guy that should be on second place. But, you know, those things happen. Yeah, unfortunately, it's part of the sport more in cyclocross than on the road. But, well, anyway, I think Van Turenhout can live with this. And ultimately, I think Paul Sauzer will be happy because Iserbeet is looking to be their guy for the overall World Cup classification and Isabit is looking good in that for the time being, although Quinton Hermans did gain back 10 points and is now 5 points behind. Somebody who's falling a bit further behind is Tone Art. Another tough day in the office for him. Really having to limit the damage in the final lap uh, as he just completely, like, the lights went out for Tone Art. And it was uh, 
hard for him. Still managing to hold on to a fourth place. At the start of the race, he also complained about a little pain he had on his shin. Uh, I, I think he'll just be happy if he gets through a uh, what has been a tricky US trip so far uh, with the least amount of damage. And uh, I think fourth place for him, it's okay, but uh, it's, uh, still things to work on. Yeah, the injuries he had following that crash in Waterloo weren't too severe. But if I speak from personal experience, I've made some crashes and not even at high speed. But if you crash, your body just it needs time to recover. And recover from that crash means less energy going to recovering from basically the race you did and the tiredness you got from that. So I can see that that is a factor that probably played a big role for Ton Arts. And he was actually lucky that this race was one lap shorter than it should have been, because otherwise he could have fallen uh, back pretty far, because he lost a lot of time in that last lap. Yeah, that was actually a good point. Uh, the race is only 55 minutes, and World Cup should be an hour plus one lap, I believe. So... Nah, that, that rule is a bit old. It got uh, replaced, but it should be as close as possible to one hour, but on the other side of the hour. Okay. Yeah, so still one extra lap, yeah. Yeah, I got lucky there. Well, that were basically the riders battling for the podium positions. Arts looked good until that blow-up, but we should run down the entire top 10 then. Already had the win of Clinton Hermans in front of Isabiet van Turenhout in 4th place for Tone Arts. Behind that we find the teammate of Tone Arts, which is Pim Ronhaar. 6th place for Jens Adam, 7th for Niels van der Putte, another solid showing by him. And then... For the first time in quite a while, we see a name we didn't expect here, a USA flag in the top 10, Gage Hecht, in front of Toon van der Bos, who rides a solid race, and in 10th place, we find Emil Verstringen. Let's start off by talking about that performance by Pim Ronhaar. 5th place, this is definitely a season-best performance. Yeah, very strong and a very tough course, um, and keeping the pace throughout the race is just yeah, a very, very good one. And uh, just getting off to a great start to the season as well. Uh, of course, that sixth place in Gieten as well. A bit of a tough start in Waterloo. But uh, here, Fayette View more than making up for that. Yeah, he had back problems in Waterloo, which uh, caused him to fall back. Certainly nothing to see of that today. And I think it's good to see this young, talented guy get a good result here. The world champion under 23, of course. Third year under 23 now. So... I'm pretty excited to see what he can do the rest of the season because this is definitely a solid performance, especially on a hard parkour like this. Another solid result here today by Jens Adams. He got a top 10 in Waterloo, but today he improved a bit. He got 6 this time out. Isam, what do you think about the performance for Jens Adams riding for the Hollebeke Hoover team? Yeah, one of one of the guys that choose to go individual in a way and he had a tough season last, uh, last year around and He's, he's doing very solid and this is a bit what he should be aiming for going into the you know further into the next of the races and overall I'm you know I'm very impressed with his sixth place not gonna lie it's, it was a very big group in a way uh, for fifth and then Ronar you know broke away from the pack and then Adams you know knew that um, that it was maybe also time to try and go on his uh, get on his own uh, to get that sixth place so yeah, I think very good result from from Adams, and um, I hope that he can continue that line that we can see him uh, more often in the top ten. And I think as well that we're gonna see that because he's a very experienced rider. 
I do think that Jens Adams is becoming a constant factor in the top 10, at least for the time being. But one, I still think that this is an outlier, a positive outlier. That This is a very, very good result for him. Yeah, there was an opportunity today and he took full, full advantage of it, I think. Uh, Jens Adams this season, I, from what we've seen so far, he's a back end of the top 10 kind of guy. So getting so close to top 5 in the World Cup, it's very good. And hopefully he can uh, continue to perform consistently um, and yeah, make a good season out of it. Somebody who certainly saw an opportunity today as well was Gage Hecht. I mean, what a performance by him. The last time an American ended in the top 10 of a World Cup was in 2015 when Jeremy Powers ended 6th in Cross Vegas. That is 2,219 days ago. That is such a long time ago. Gage Hecht, the American champion, 23 years old, signed for a rally on the road. And he really took that momentum of signing that deal forward. What a race by him. Yeah, a surprising result as well, because if you look at the uh, the races he's done before this this season, he's been good, but he hasn't been uh, that close to winning them, like two fifth places um, when Vincent Bastans is winning. Doesn't really scream, I'm going to come eighth and fight view. But uh, this is uh, very, very good to see, especially with this, of course, being the World Cup, uh, World Championship scores. Um, exciting times for Gage Hacked and uh, this will give him maybe that motivation and that uh, confidence that he'll need to make a very good season out of it and uh, an exciting World Championships. Yeah, he's of course very strong on the road as well, so I think it's no surprise to see him do really good on a harder parkour like this. He That's usually where he does good. I watched those races in the USA, those were completely the opposite of this, those were fast flowy not super technical those were more peloton crosses and this is totally different so i'm not surprised to see him do good but i am definitely surprised to see him in the top 10 i was looking okay if everything goes well maybe we'll see him inside the top 20 somewhere around places 15 towards 17 but this it definitely topped all my expectations i had for him yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna be honest i i didn't know him like <laughs> i'm gonna be very honest here but um, I love it when we see other nations get in the top 10 and especially now that we are in the States, um, it's like it was meant to be to have an American in the top 10 by the men. So yeah, really happy and, uh, good to see that he is, uh, able to, to get, get himself in the top 10 and I hope this is going to push him a little bit to, towards if he already had the plans to go to Belgium and do the races there as well. I think he will go to Belgium to race there. If I look at this season, two seasons ago, last year he skipped cyclocross because of the COVID pandemic. So if we look at this season, two seasons ago, he did go to Belgium. His best result was a 10th place in the GP Nice in Baal. So I would expect him to come over to Belgium. And I think he would definitely be looking to equal this 8th place, at least at the World Championships in Fayetteville later this season. Well, let's also address another impressive performance that, or actually two impressive performances from two Dormans riders. Emil Verstringen and Thomas Main both also did a very good job today. Yeah, both Dormans riders finding a course that they, that, that really suits them. Uh, Thomas Main coming back from uh, injury at the back end of the season. Uh, nice to see that he is uh, able to put in a good shift here. 
and Emil Verstringer just yeah a very solid performance 19 years old and already able to get a 10th place on such a tough course in the World Cup it's it's quite something to be honest and uh, you should be very proud of that one well there's also a couple of riders that disappointed us today and by coincidence they are all Dutch I would like to start with Lars van der Haar only ending 14th today but in his defense this parkour is really nothing for him a lot of power climbing as well it's not really where you expect to see Lars van der Haar but I would still have expected him to be in the top 10 and then to other Dutch riders Ryan Kamp and Corne van Kessel that was also disappointed me yeah as you said Lars van der Haar really someone I would at least hope to see in the back end of the top 10 just salvage some points and uh, move on to the next race that uh, probably is a bit better for him Ryan Kamp also finding a course that should I think suit him quite well and it just doesn't quite feel like it's happening for Ryan Gump this season so far. Which is a bit unfortunate. And I think we can say the same for Corneva Kessel. Uh, Mr. Consistent. Only the level of consistency. It's still there. Just the general level has dropped a bit. Uh, with three tenth places so far. And now 16th. It's, um, I hope there is uh, more of a level to pick up to. I mean for Van, Van der Haar I think... All his races so far were in the top five, and this is like his first race that he's outside of the top ten, and it's not a parkour that you know it really suits him. So I don't think it is. It's like a disappointment, but obviously I think he could have been in the top ten, but he wasn't far off. So we don't know what really happened in the race, but yeah, fourteenth is not where you want to be, especially if you're Van der Haar. I think Kamp. Is, is missing a little bit the momentum Ronar is having at the moment. Ronar really, I don't know, came came very good in the beginning of the season. Is, is going very well and Kamp is a bit struggling. Sometimes having some good moments, but it's still not there yet. Uh, we have to wait and see. Maybe he's planning his season out to, to be better in, 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 in December, November. Maybe he learned from last year and he's going to try uh, to be more consistent to the end of the season. Let's go and talk about the women's race then. Tuan, can you give us a summary of that race? Uh, it was a very strong start by Vash and Vos. And uh, unfortunately, Vash would fall away as uh, Brand replaced her. Uh, Vos uh, following her very well, looking to be riding a very strong tactical race. Uh, in the middle of the race, also taking advantage of a little slip-up by Lucinda Brand to put a little bit of the pressure on. But unfortunately for her, it would be... She that uh, would sink under the pressure a uh, very tough final lap for her as she would even fall off the podium. It was Betsma that was able to uh, put in a very strong final lap to beat Honsinger to second place behind a uh, very, very strong looking Lucinda Brandt. Yeah, let's basically focus on that battle that we saw throughout most of the race. Brandt against Voss. First focus on the phase before the Brand crash. Who did you guys reckon was the strongest then? I thought Brand was the stronger rider, but Vos was just looking to be riding a very strong tactical race again. Uh, this time it was a sprint that would have suited Lucinda Brand a bit more, but it was going to be a very interesting one with, I think, Brand having a slight edge or just having more power. But Vos looked very, very good as well. Just very subtle in the way she went up that hill yeah personally i also thought that Voss looked very good at the feeling that brand was a bit overcooking herself but 
Then ultimately she went down, it looked like a bit too much front brake in a slippery corner. She didn't lose that much time, but after that I really had the feeling Voss was in control. Brandt did everything to try and come back, but Voss, even when the gap was down to only 2 or 3 seconds, Voss kept giving her everything and then, I mean, it really looked like Voss had it in control. The gap went up to around 10 seconds at some point. Yeah, and, and, and then it was gone. <laughs> and then, um, in a way, she kind of lost it and it was... Um... I don't know if it was a puncture or something, but she had to change her bike and it was the gap went down completely and then she had to do it all over again in a way. And I think that that kind of broke her maybe a little bit. And then especially the crash, which we couldn't see on the broadcast um, in the last, um, was it last lap or the lap before? I think it was. It was indeed a puncture and the crash going into the last lap. Yeah. Not shown on the broadcast. Yeah, it was not shown, but yeah. I, that 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 doesn't help and obviously it's in that descent and after that descent you have that long climb so if you're if you're out of your rhythm uh and you go on that climb you know you're gonna lose a little bit more than only two or three seconds so yeah it, it didn't help and then in the end it was just uh you know everything was uh, it, it was done there was no energy left and um they came left right and center yeah i think it was really unlucky but it was also a bit of a mental game i felt like brand had the momentum in the beginning but then after that crash force really had the momentum and then after the puncture for force the momentum switched again to brand ultimately resulting in force going down and brand being able to go for that win force indeed overshot herself on that climb and fell back that's also the feeling i have and she even got overtaken by betsam and Honsinger, who were part of a big big group of chasers We'll come to that after we've run down the entire top 10. It was Lucinda Brandt taking the win and the lead in the World Cup in front of Denise Betsema, Clara Honsinger, Marianne Vos, Puk Pietersen, Catablanca Vash, Magali Rochette, Anne-Marie Worst, Yara Kastelijn, and 10th place for Katharina Nash. So let's focus on that big, big, big battle for most of the race. It was for third, and ultimately it turned into second with Vos falling back. It was Vash with Pietersen. And then Honsinger, Betsman, for some point, Worst and Kastelijn as well. Do you have any comments on this battle? Yeah, it, it, it went a little bit up and down, uh, the battle there. I mean, at some point, we, we saw Vos a little bit more in front, then a little bit more at the back. Uh, Betsema was, uh, was having her ups and downs in a way, so... It, it it was there was it was not really easy to follow. Um, and obviously, they were also focusing a little bit more on the two in front. But uh, yeah, it, in a way, it was it was looking that we would see that um, um, the Fass and 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 Peterson and Rochette a little bit that were stronger in the beginning of the race uh, struggled a little bit, and then uh, Betsema and 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 Honsinger were just coming very fast, and especially Honsinger that that was a, a comeback race because she was outside of the top ten, I think, somewhere with Neff. And then, yeah, she just went one position after the other. At a certain point, she was seventh. Then you're like, okay, well, maybe top five. And then she's fifth, and you're like, oh, well, maybe she's going to get the podium. And, uh, yeah, she made it stick, and it's amazing for her, a good result. It's a very good recovery race by Clara Honsinger, but let's face it, she really needs to start improving her starts because it's not really acceptable that... Time after time again, last year, you could still think, okay, she can learn, she has an entire summer. But even now, after the start, she was like between 18th and 22nd. 
and then it took her two laps before she started moving forward and then she started lapping the same pace as the leaders which just shows that if she would have a good start she could be fighting there for the win it's painful to watch someone be so good yet have something that is so bad that it actually ruins their chance to challenge for races because she can podium here but it, she has to be so much better in what she does well to actually be able to get there and even to kick on a little bit yeah i think she could really use some help Vosh is also getting some help in improving her technique she's now working with Lars Bohm Lars Bohm also was with her in the USA and I don't know if he was there in Waterloo but I saw they did a track walk together yesterday and I actually had the feeling that Vosh it looked better the way she went up the stairs took the corners there looked to be more thought behind it looking for the green looking to find some grip I did see some improvements, but ultimately I think that Vosh just fell short in terms of not necessarily technique today, but just in form in terms of form. Yeah, I mean the thing with Fass as well, and I mean she had a, a a quite busy mountain bike campaign, or she did at least a, a few mountain bike races, and she was also quite active on the road. I, I don't know, like it's it's maybe that they do it on purpose and then just somewhere in in like four or five six weeks they're gonna be like okay we're gonna take some some weeks off and do do a training um go go for for a training camp in a way and in 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 the mountains and then come back i don't know if that is the plan but it, if you're gonna be like this you know trying to find your your form in the coming races is maybe gonna take a little bit too long and it's maybe never gonna be coming so i think if she really wants to peak in a way, and I think she still has a lot of kind of potential that can come out of her, not only with the technique, but also in, in terms of shape. I think she has to maybe look in the planning and try, you know, try something, try to take some rest somewhere in November or maybe in December. Yeah, perhaps, but I feel like that's, maybe it's a bit early to look at that and that's for later i think that for now Vash, i mean it's not strange don't forget that she's still only under 23 she's done quite some races on mountain bike and road but she's focusing on cyclocross at least that what she said on her instagram so i think there's definitely time for her and i mean we haven't even mentioned denise betsema today but she also rode a quite anonymous race in my opinion yeah, and with that final lap, maybe it was just a bit scared of how the pacing was going to work. Um, but uh, she certainly had something left, which made me feel like uh, she was a bit afraid of the course. And that she didn't instantly want to go with Brandt and Vos, whilst maybe she could have. Um, but uh, yeah, a second place with, it's a very, very, it's, it's a very good result, yeah. Yeah, good result and definitely keeps her in contention for the overall. There's also a couple of riders who were fairly disappointing. Let's start with the duo Worst Kasteline. I'd expected more of them today. A course where I would hope to see both of these women actually like perform and challenge Brandt, but it just didn't happen. Yeah, very unfortunate. So far, the trip to the USA hasn't been great for Yara Kasteline. Actually, not only the trip to the USA... The last couple of weeks she has fallen a bit back in terms of performances towards the level where she was last year. But still, don't forget it's a very packed starting field here. And I think a ninth place isn't that bad, but it could have been better. 
And then Islam, I mean, we recorded the preview podcast. We have to still actually apologize for not mentioning Honsinger. We actually forgot her. (laughs) I'm not joking when I say that literally as soon as we stopped recording, within five minutes, I said, we forgot Honsinger. And Honsinger could get a podium here. Yeah, and especially when we also were saying about we're talking about the rain and it might be a tough parkour and with the long climb, you know, it, it, there were a lot of um, attributes in the race that that you know that hint towards Honsinger having a good result, but we kind of ignored it all during the podcast. And like you said, it was maybe five five to ten minutes, and then you were like, "Oh shit, we forgot <laughs> we forgot Honsinger." So it it happens sometimes, and. Um, but I'm very happy, nevertheless, that she's on the podium because uh, it's uh, good to see uh, not only Dutch women, but also, you know, a little bit more internationalization like we want in the World Cup, right? Yeah, definitely. But if we then also look in terms of our predictions, we thought that Yolanda Neff would do good. And we saw Neff do good for about a quarter of a lap. And then she disappeared from our screens fighting for the back end of the top 10 and ultimately ending 12th. Yeah, we were we were a little bit wrong there, but I mean, the, the thing with Neff is, obviously she had a packed mountain bike season. Her goals were in the Olympics. Uh, it it just seems that you know she was just not really having her day, and um, she's gonna do IO, I think. So maybe she can do there something, but it's a very tough uh, tough race. So I think overall, you know, it is what it is, huh? <laughs> Yeah, definitely, and she will still be doing Iowa, so I guess we'll see a bit more of her there. I would like to end off this podcast with an honorable mention for the rider in 10th here, that is Katharina Nash. She is in, I think she's the spokesperson of cyclocross in within the UCI with the riders, something like that. Anyway, she's 44 years old and gets a 10th place here. Very impressive stuff. This is David de Rebellin-esque, right? Um, I think she was able to win like what was it two years ago because there weren't too many people racing uh in the u.s and now she's with basically everyone competing she's still able to get a 10th place on 44 it's uh it's it's insane it's definitely insane and indeed two years ago she won the world cup in waterloo and now a 10th place in this stacked field definitely something she can be happy with we can be happy that we can stop recording because it's already late for us. Tuan thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me on. Amazing. Thank you, man. We will be back with a preview for the next round of the World Cup, which is in Iowa a bit later this week. And then, of course, Iowa to end off the USA through the three World Cups there. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you guys later. Goodbye.